today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I think we were all shocked as uh, we saw the horrific videos of the uh, explosion in Beirut, Lebanon, uh, not too long ago. Uh, it just uh, it, so sad to see the devastation and the loss of life that occurred uh, for well for no good reason to be quite frank about it. I know the investigation is continuing into what's going on but what it did of course aside from the obvious destruction was made an already very tough situation uh, for those living in Beirut even that much tougher. Global News European Bureau Chief Crystal Gomansing explains. They're looking at a situation, you know, where there's uh, unemployment of at least 50 percent. The, the value of the Lebanese pound has lost 80 percent. People can't get money out of their bank accounts. So the cost of food is astronomical. And now you add on top of that this blast that leveled the port, which is the main shipping route for almost every good that is used in Lebanon, not to mention wiping out businesses and homes. And people are left wondering, what are they supposed to do? It's not like the government was providing a, a good safety net before and now you're even in a worse situation uh there's the predicament uh and and therein lies part of the problem because uh the government itself was part of the problem pre-explosion and continues to be so how do you how do you channel funds much needed funds into a situation like that uh, knowing that there's corrupt government officials that might sidetrack some of these things it's only one of many challenges that uh, that we're facing these days so how can we do our part well bill chambers is uh, with save the children canada uh, which is one of the organizations that are coordinating uh, themselves to try to do something about this and uh, bill uh, joins us on the bill keller show to talk about this uh, bill chambers thank you so much for the time i'm glad you could join us today i'm happy to be here thanks for having me bill tragedies are terrible we've seen these in other parts of the world from earthquakes and uh you know natural disasters certainly but this explosion was uh, something else i mean I, I i remember years ago when i was in halifax and i went to the museum that uh, that commemorates the huge halifax uh, harbor explosion uh that was so devastating and the impact of, of an atomic bomb but it was just high explosives uh and that that was the first thing i thought of bill when i saw the video you, the, the destruction that this wrought in a matter of seconds in the city was just incredible just devastating. Uh, 170 people killed and still many uh, missing, 6,000 6, people injured, uh, all of the kind of health systems uh, already fragile, uh, pretty well uh, shaken, shaken apart. Uh, Twelve primary health care centers severely damaged, three hospitals partially or fully inoperable, 120 schools uh, severely damaged, 55,000 kids going to be out of school. So all of that happens um, in a small crowded neighborhood um, that also includes almost all of the food stocks, as your your uh, uh, piece just before said. 120,000 metric tons of food were were uh, destroyed, and 85% of the seeds uh, were, were stored in the port. So they currently have a, a grain supply of four to six weeks, and after that, it's um, it's severe, severe severe danger of malnutrition, and uh, and that, as you again you said, not in a situation that before the blast was in any way. Uh, easy or or propitious. We have we did a say the children did an analysis of children in Beirut that came out about a week before the blast, and by our count, 500,000 children uh, are struggling to survive and are uh, in danger of hunger before this blast. So, it's uh, it's truly a devastating circumstance, one that does parallel the Halifax uh, explosion, um, and one that will be a long time uh, recovering from. Exacerbated by, as, as uh, Crystal Gamansing mentioned in her reporting bill, uh, in I guess in regular times, not that any tragedy as this is regular, but 
the first level of, is to try to channel through the government of that particular area to try to coordinate relief efforts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's going to be difficult here because there's some problems with the government. Yes, yeah, so that's why the, the government of Canada has uh, created a, an appeal, a match appeal, uh, with the Humanitarian Coalition. So the Humanitarian Coalition is a group of 12 uh, humanitarian organizations with deep and long history uh, in humanitarian relief. Uh, and the Canadian government will match Canadians' donations to the Humanitarian Coalition or to any of its 12 members uh, for the next until the 24th of, um, of August. And that money will, will remain within the uh, coalition and the members of the coalition, all of whom had pre-existing um, operations in Lebanon. Some of us, so Save the Children's been there since 1953. Uh, World Vision, for instance, since 1945, uh, sorry, not 1945, 1975, and, and Oxfam since the 90s. So all of us have long-standing operations in, uh, in Lebanon. All of us had operations that were focused either on the, the terrible refugee crisis that uh, Lebanon is experiencing, or in downtown Beirut. So we have, we have, we were up and running when the blast hit, uh, already in COVID mode, so working remotely. Um, and the government has said any donations to say, to uh, humanitarian coalition or to any of its members will be matched up to five million million dollars. So we're really trying to collect as much money as we can because the um, the pain is not over. Well, and as you say, there are still missing people, and you know the, the relief efforts and recovery efforts, I guess is what they call it now, uh, and, and that's the human cost of this. Uh, the economic cost and, uh, that, that people are going to be facing is, is not going to be addressed anytime soon. It's going to take a long, long time. Uh, as, as you just mentioned and as Crystal mentioned in her report, uh, things were not great in Beirut to begin with, and, and then all of a sudden this happens uh, one day, and uh, it's, it's, it's put these people in a very precarious position. I guess the first question, I, and, and I'm glad you mentioned back, Bill, that you guys are already on the ground there and have been doing some great work for a long, long time. But where do you begin in a situation like this? As you look at the devastation, uh, you know, how do you coordinate an effort like this? Well, uh, luckily, there, is, there are existing mechanisms that, ha that the humanitarian uh, world uh, uses in all sorts of places, and they ensure that through what they call the cluster coordination system, that the highest needs are responded to first. So we all, all 12 of our organizations would be coordinating through a system that ensures that on the basis of a needs analysis that they, that, that is done, you know, by uh, our organization, so third party, we decide what, uh, where to spend the money that we're given and what the priorities are. Obviously, coordinating with municipal governments and, and uh, local partners, but spent through us. So mm -hmm. the money doesn't pass through the hands of the um, Lebanese government uh, when it passes through the humanitarian coalition or, or any of our uh, agencies. And when you talk about the, there's the financial and economic impact, we also got to imagine the kids, right? I have yeah. a, we have a colleague, a, a member of the staff of, in, of our staff in Beirut who was at home um, when the blast went off and five of her nephews and nieces were out on the balcony playing and all of the glass around them erupted. All five of the children were uh, uh, injured, had lacerations, and none of them uh, 48 hours later had been treated because the hospitals were in such devastating circumstance. You can imagine the trauma tra traumatic impact that has on kids and the need that they then have for some kind of security, some kind of uh, um, sense of normalcy. But we still have children who are 
uh, not re- reunited with their families because their families, made, some of them, of course, have been killed and some, some of them are still in hospital. So another big priority at the moment for uh, Save the Children is reunification and what we call uh, alternative care. So how do we take care of those kids? But the big piece for all of us um, is still, we're still in uh, clearing rubble. We're distributing tents. Uh, we're um, looking after children at risk. We are uh, providing cash assistance in certain circumstances for people who are just without everything, uh, you know, weatherproofing kits, mental health and so- psychosocial support, hygiene and, and uh, dignity materials, for menstrual pads and, and baby items, things like that. And, of course, food, food and shelter. Mm-hmm. Those are the, are the short-term immediate. And two weeks in, we're still in that phase of trying to make sure that everyone uh, gets through the day and the night uh, and the rebuilding won't start for, for probably some time. The, uh, the health aspect of this is problematic. I mean, your story about the kids that were badly injured by flying glasses is, is heart-sickening, really, when you hear these sorts of things. But my understanding, Bill, is that in the blast, uh, some of the hospitals, some of the, the health care facilities were badly damaged. So, I mean, that, that further ties their hands, be, hands behind their back. Uh, I know that one of your partners in, in the uh, Humanitarian Coalition, of course, is uh, Doctors of the World. But you're looking for that sort of medical help, people to be on scene as quickly as possible to try to help with these people like those kids. Absolutely, and, and not just the physical, but also the mental, the, the traumatic, yeah. trauma. Still, you know, we have kids who won't go into the room that they were in uh, when the blast went off. Uh, kids who have not spoken since the blast went off. So uh, identifying those children, providing them support, uh, providing the, the uh, kind of triage help uh, and frontline uh, um, support for frontline workers who are still digging people out of rubble, all of that is ongoing as we speak. As I said, there were three of the major hospitals were severely da- damaged. One of them, I think, is entirely inoperable. So, uh, and then, of course, there's COVID. Uh, oh, yeah, that too. The, the week of the blast was the week when they had the highest recorded number of new cases in Lebanon. Um, and this, and our ability to, to distance is obviously severely diminished by 300,000 people who no longer have a home to live in. Yeah, it's just a, a, a confluence of really uh, devastating circumstances. The people uh, are, have huge needs just to stay alive and longer term to get back to some normalcy, both in terms of the economy and the, the number of businesses that are, have been destroyed. Is, well, I haven't counted them yet, but everything that's within a short range of that very crowded downtown area. Um, and of course, the economy was in, as your your piece said, it was in complete disarray beforehand. You know, 169 percent inflation over the last year. It's uh, it's just a perfect perfect storm. Uh, somebody was asking when I mentioned I was going to have you on. They said, "Well, how much money are these guys looking for?" There's no price tag on this, is there? As much as you can find, because the the work is is not just going to be for three or four or five weeks. I mean, this is going to be ongoing for a long, long time. So in the immediate, the government has said they're looking for, the, for $5 million from the Canadian public. They have committed $30 million themselves, five of which will go to match any public donations. So that's for uh, right now. And already uh, $1.5 million has gone to the Lebanese Red Cross. And now they're uh, looking for um, the ca- uh, Canadians to step up. So that for the immediate. Longer term, the assessment of, the, the, of putting Lebanon back on its feet uh, will take some time to um, to determine, but it won't be in the hundreds of millions of dollars. It'll be north of there, likely. Uh, and of course, you have to have a, a some kind of uh, government structure in order to to do some of that, and that and that has to be resolved too. And and uh, for the moment, there isn't a solution uh, that's obvious in the offing. The pr- prime minister has resigned. Uh, 
there are protests in the street, uh, and there isn't effective government. So our focus is on keeping people alive, keeping them fed, keeping the you know re- reuniting families, uh, trying to create some normalcy. The longer term rebuild, how much it will cost, and how it will be done, uh, is yet to be de- to be uh, designed, I guess. Yeah, but with that atmosphere and that environment right now where there's political upheaval i mean there's a safety issue here for survivors and for workers for that matter absolutely and 300,000 people without homes um yeah you know from the night in the 90s uh, beirut went through one of the worst civil war wars in modern history i think um there's a lot of people who still remember uh, those days uh, and will remember uh, uh, let's hope they don't revert to their own sectarian circumstances one of the good things about the protests is that they have not been sectarian they have been a, a melding of all of the the various uh, groups uh, that inhabit beirut um it's really at the um uh, governance level or the leadership level that those divisions are most dangerous and how that unfolds over the next weeks uh, we'll have to keep track of but certainly the the danger on the ground and the chaos on the ground is uh made worse by a lack of uh, stable governance. By the way, I don't want to create a picture that there's no assistance there locally at all. I mean, there's obviously a corrupt government. As you say, the prime minister's gone now. Uh, and that's a political situation that is going to have to be resolved, but that's not your priority at this stage. Uh, but you are getting assistance from authorities there. You mentioned the Lebanese Red Cross and other local officials that are trying to help out. Absolutely. And we have, all 12 of us have pre-existing operations. So we have, you know, we've been there for since 1953, as I say, we have a large uh, office of local people who, you know, uh, who know their way around. We have local partners for various things. So in education or in food distribution or in uh, family reunification, we will know, uh, we will be uh, intimately entwined with, integrated with the local systems that can help find that. Uh, Some of the municipal systems are still working uh, and delivering services. Hospitals are trying to get themselves back on their feet. It's not like no one is working. Um, it's the, uh, the longer, the larger planning question. The, the planning in the actual crisis will uh, be helped enormously by what, what I described earlier as the cluster co- coordination system. That happens in any major uh, humanitarian crisis. It's uh, overseen by OCHO, which is the um, Office of the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs of the UN. It ensures that uh, money is spent according to needs assessments done by independent uh, assessors. So we will do needs assessment. We will coordinate with all of our colleagues uh, in, in other agencies and through this oversight mechanism that ensures that the money that we get and that we deliver will be delivered where it is most needed um, and in a way that is accountable and transparent. And we, I'm glad you were able to join us today because we do want to remind our listeners about these donations. And uh, th- this is, as you say, uh, a limited time. Uh, August 24th is the is the deadline for this, a week from today, I guess, uh, about how they can contribute. And and because of the government's initiative here, the Lebanon Matching Fund, uh, your $1 donation is really a $2 donation because they'll match it dollar for dollar. Uh, and uh, it's so important that we get to that number as quickly as we possibly can. Uh, how can they do that, Bill? The Humanitarian Coalition has a website called, easy to remember, it's called together.ca. Okay. And from our point, Save the Children is just savethechildren.ca, no punctuation. Uh, and any of the other agencies uh, of the Humanitarian Coalition, there's 12 of us, will also accept, uh, accept donations and, uh, and match them. And all of them will have the same standard of accountability and transparency.
and it's all going into this uh, this one pot that's going to be for the common good of the uh, the victims and uh, and their families uh, in, in that terrible terrible circumstance. Uh, Bill, it was a pleasure having you on the program, uh, and congratulations on the great work that you and your staff do on a, on an ongoing basis. And and I, I'm glad that you brought that up. The fact that you've already been there, and as you have in other troubled spots, uh, doing great work to try to bring this community back up. And uh, the the blast, of course, has exacerbated the problem. But uh, this is a time for all of us to step up. I guess. Uh, and uh, and show that we are all humanitarians and that we want to get behind these people and do the best they can. So uh, once again, go to the web page, make your donation. And uh, Bill, I'm sure we'll talk again down the road about how the uh, the program, how the uh, the recovery and the process is going, and and what else can be done about this. Is uh, this is step one, and I guess a number of steps that are going to have to happen. That's right. And thank you, Bill, for spreading the word because uh, uh, without that, we won't we won't make make those tar- targets. So thanks very much. Thanks again. Bill Chambers, CEO of Save the Children Canada, head office anyway, located in Toronto. But uh, great work that they're doing around the globe, especially in Beirut these days. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.